the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ministries. It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book, and we want to welcome you to the broadcast of the Riches of Grace. This program is brought to you by Christian people that believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. My name is Richard Jordan, and it's my privilege to be your Bible teacher each week as we meet together here to look into the pages of God's Word and allow the Spirit of God to teach us out of His Word. We do trust that our time together be a rich blessing and help to you. Last week we began a, what I, I think is probably going to be just a little short series uh, of, of studies together each week on on the topic of mysteries that are solved by the mystery. Now, when I say the mystery, I'm talking about the uh, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest in the Bible. There is something that the Apostle Paul identifies as the mystery of Christ. That is, there's a message that God himself kept secret since the world began, but revealed to and through the Apostle Paul. And the mystery is set in contrast in the Bible to prophecy. The Apostle Peter, in Acts chapter 3, verse 21, when he's teaching uh, the nation Israel there in Jerusalem, uh, the chapter after the day, the great day of Pentecost in Acts 2, he says to them, he says that uh, that. Uh, the things that were happening uh, there in, in, in Acts chapter 2 and 3, and, and during the earthly ministry of Christ, his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, he says that um, these are the things which were spoken by the mouth of all the prophets since the world began. Prophecy in the Bible, in essence, is that which God has been speaking making known and revealing since the world began through the mouth of all his holy prophets. And it's been revealed by God. He told Amos, he says, I'll do nothing except I reveal it to my servants, the prophets. And God has, by the mouth of all his holy prophets, spoken and revealed his plan and purpose through the nation Israel for the earth. The world began. But when you come to the apostle Paul in the Bible, you come to a different situation. Because Paul says that he's preaching Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Now think about that. If something has been preached about, prophesied about, and talked about since the world began, and then there's something that was kept secret, not talked about, not preached about, not prophesied about since the world began, now you ask yourself, are they the same? Well, obviously, no, they're different. There are two distinct programs in God's Word. Both focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Both center on, on God the Son, God the Lord Jesus Christ, and what God is going to accomplish through Him, but they are two different revelations about what God's going to accomplish through His Son. I've said so often, a six-year-old kid that flunked kindergarten can get that. <laughs> it's, you see, the Bible is meant to be understood. The entrance of thy word giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple. When you're, when you're just willing to simply believe what the Bible says, I don't mean what religion says, what your church says, what you thought it ought to have said, but just what it does say, then the Bible all of a sudden becomes an understanding to you. 
Um, you don't need to break some special Bible code to understand the Bible. You don't need to look beyond under, under the text and find some hidden code written out of things. The things that are in, on the pages of your Bible are written in plain words, in simple language. And by the way, you don't need to acquire some special status in order to understand the Bible. You don't need to know Greek. You don't need to know Hebrew. You don't need to have a preacher that does that. All you need to do is have a Bible, an English Bible, a King James Bible. And what reason I, again, the reason I say a King James Bible as opposed to all the other versions out there is because you want all the verses in it that ought to be there and that leaves out the verses that shouldn't be there. Not one modern translation, the New International Version, the New American Standard Version, the English Standard Version, the Holman Bible. I mean, you can go right down the, down the list and name the ones that are prominent today and the ones that will be prominent tomorrow. They all leave out important ver- – look, if they leave out one verse, every verse, <laughs> every word of God is pure. Every verse is important. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You don't need to leave any verses out of your Bible. And when someone comes along and gives you a Bible that doesn't have all the verses that ought to be in the Bible, then they're not giving you a complete Bible. And the only Bible that you can find in the English language today, which is in it that ought to be there, and has omitted all the verses that shouldn't be there, has the words in it that should be there and left out the ones that shouldn't, is a King James Bible. I, I talk to you about that occasionally, and I know somebody says, well, Brother Rick, don't you understand? No, it's just so hard to read. I need something that's easy to read. Balderdash. The King James Bible, if you take a uh, the, the standard reading scoring system to, dis- to discern reading level, the King James Bible is about 7th grade reading. Now, it used to be 4th and 5th grade. Reading levels have gone down. <laughs> you understand, people's ability to read has gone down. Uh, when I graduated high school, uh, back in the late 1960s, the reading level was um, when you graduated high school, you could read at a 12th grade level. No, the average high school graduate reads at about a ninth grade level. So, and and they are considered ahead of the pack. I remember when I started college, uh, I, math was never a great subject of mine. The only class I've ever that I ever failed in all of my schooling, the only class I ever failed, I failed three times, and it was. Algebra 101, <laughs> first year, the first semester of algebra. I just was never a math guy. I went to college, and they said, well, you you don't test out so good in, in math. So they put me in a remedial math class, and I needed it. And it helped me a little bit, and I never did figure out algebra. I couldn't figure out when you have an equation, it's got letters and and, and uh, in it and, and, and numbers, and they don't spell words. I just couldn't get that. I'm a word guy. But anyway... I had to go through a remedial math class when I started college because my math wasn't up to You know that a great portion of the college freshmen today go through remedial English classes to learn how to read at English at something close to a college level. So don't give me this stuff that the Bible's hard to understand because it's a lot of the reading skill. Listen, your mom and dad, you are, were they? They could read it. My mother and dad, my grandparents, for 400 years, people have been reading and understanding it. What is it? In the 21st century, we've just all become a bunch of dummies? Well, you know, that might be debatable. But the Bible didn't change. The King James Bible, it's not that it's hard to read. Now, I understand it has some words in it that you don't, you might not be familiar with. But because the translators know more about it than you do, don't get mad at them. 
It's not their fault that they that they knew more about English than you do. What you need to do is, is, is uh, maybe learn a little bit. Every book, any discipline that you get involved in, has its own set of terms, its own vocabulary, and the Bible's that way. I hear people say, well, you know, we, we need a Bible that's easy to understand so the man on the street can understand it. I don't know. I, I hear people say that sometimes how much time they, they actually spend on a street corner talking to people. You know, I've learned. I, I started preaching as a, as a teenager, and the first time I ever preached, I preached on a street corner. First time I ever preached in a building, rescue mission in Mobile, Alabama, the Mobile Rescue Mission. And working there uh, shortly after that, years and years I worked at the mission, and I would go downtown after in, in the skid rows, the bars and the pool halls and skid row, and, and talk to people, trying to share the gospel with people. And I know what it is to preach on the street, stand on the on corner and pass out tracks. And I've lear- I learned something back then. I learned that you could know something about the town and the community and the culture you live in by doing that. And for all these years since then, and that's been almost five decades ago, I occasionally go down on the street corner and pass out tracks. My wife and I just recently were down in in uh, in the city of Chicago, downtown in the Loop, and there was a big festival going on, and there were literally tens of thousands of people, in the, and there were people, you know, down there passing out tracks, and I stood there with them, and you watch the reaction that people get when you're passing tracks. Some people don't like it. Some people are afraid of you. Some people are interested, but what you learn is you learn something about the culture in which you live. If you go out on that street corner and you talk to unsaved people, you know what you discover when you read the Bible to them? They know that the Bible ought to sound different than the newspaper. They know the Bible ought to sound different than what a lot of these modern versions sound. They know the Bible ought to sound like God's Word. It ought to sound special. So don't get the idea that just because the King James Bible sounds a little different that people are going to be uh, unable to understand it. It's Like I said, it's 7th grade English. You can understand it. You say, well, it's old English. Well, no, most of it is not. Uh, there are some uh, words in it that are a little hard for you to understand. Uh, hard for you, you know, but like I said, that's because your grasp of English might not be what it ought to be. And you say, these and the thous. Well, these and thous and all that, those are good things, not bad things. I know people like to mock the Bible because of the, the these and the thous in it. You know what the difference between thee and ye, thou and you is? One, the thee and the thou, that's first person, uh, that's singular, second person. Ye and you is the plural second person pronoun. If I say to somebody, I want you to go across the street, if I'm talking to an individual, I mean, I need that individual to go across the street. If I'm talking to a crowd of 10 people and I said, I need you to go across the street, and I'm, I'm from down south, I would say, y'all need to go across the street. You all need to go across the street. But in English, in most, in, in, in English grammar, you know, you, you think if I say y'all or you all, that uh, that's a regional thing. But I don't have a way to say you individually and you plural. I got to add something to it. Because in our English, the second person singular and plural pronoun is you. Bible, and by the way, in a lot of languages, Spanish, for example, Greek, for example, the second person singular and second person plural are different words distinguished between them by the words that you use. Well, in your Bible, uh, the term thee and thou 
is used for the singular second person, talking about one individual. The ye and you is talking about a group, plural second person. That, by the way, is why in the Bible, God is always addressed as thee and thou, not you. It's addressed as thee and thou. He's addressed as thee and thou because there is one God. And we recognize there's one God. And the use of the thee and the thou, that's not, you know, you hear, you hear and I know sometimes preachers, they just repeat what they hear people say, and they don't know. And maybe some of them do, and they just don't, they just fluff it off. But when you hear people talk about, well, when people are praying, they should, oh, Lord, thou art, and that that's just the grave way of addressing. And that's not, not, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with being polite, talking to the, to the deity, that's true. But there's a doctrine involved there. There is one God. Lord, I recognize that you are the one God. Now, in, in English, we had a way to say that. That was thee and thou. Today, we, we don't have the, the ability to have that singular first per, second person pronoun. So we lose that. In a King James Bible, you still have that. That's my point. So you see, there are study aids that even the, the older language uses helps you with. And I know people that are trying to sell new versions. They, they, you see, when people are trying to sell you a bill of goods, they, they try to pick out what they perceive as weakness in their opponent and try to. And sometimes what they're exploiting is really a strength in those. Anyway, if you have, and preferably you have a King James Bible, so you have all the verses in the Bible, you ought to have them. You have them the way God intended you to have them. That Bible is meant to be understood. And it says, the entrance of thy word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You don't need a special code to break. You don't need a special status or education level, college education, Greek and Hebrew education. If you take a King James Bible and you do, you study it the way God said to study it. Second Timothy two fifteen. Study the only verse in your Bible that will tell you to study the Bible. Tell you how to do it. And the reason I think God made this that singular case in that one verse is so that you didn't get diverted into fifteen different ways. I have a library, uh, books about hermeneutics, the science of the study of Scripture. And we have dozens of approaches to studying the Bible. There are dozens of ways to come at the Scripture, but there's only one divinely sanctioned, divinely instructed way. You don't just study the Bible like you study every other piece of literature. God said, you want to get the profit out of my book, here's how you do it. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, that verse pretty much says it all with a great aim. Our one great aim in studying God's word is to have God's approval. Not the church's approval, not my approval, not your approval, not grandma's approval, not the, you know your friend's approval, but to have God's approval. Study thyself, approval of God. A workman. Uh, designed to work in you, work effectually in you that believe. If you want to have God's Spirit working in your life today, don't go sit out under a tree and just start praying for God to strike you down. Don't go into a closet and pray, oh, God, fill me with the Spirit. Listen, if you want God's God's Spirit to work in your life, He wrote the Spirit of God wrote a book. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You see the word inspiration? Inspiration. He took His Spirit and put it in some words and wrote it down. It's called Scripture. And God's Spirit works through His Word when you believe what it says. 
The Word of God works effectually in you that believe, First Thessalonians 13 says. So if you want God the Holy Spirit to work in your life, in your circumstances, in the situations where you are, you need him to, you need him to work in him, be strengthened by his Spirit in your inner man. That's what his Word does. And as you have that Word work in you, it makes you into a workman. You begin to labor together with God, study to God, a workman, someone in whom God's Spirit is working that needs not to be ashamed. You're doing exactly what God's doing, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. You see, that's why the Word of God is is for everybody. God intends His Word to be understood by everyone. And the key is to read it the way God intends it to be read, rightly dividing the Word of Truth, making the distinctions that God makes in His Word. Now, you know that, that you know how sensible that is. Every book you pick up, go to you pick up a book on your coffee table. If it's a novel, how do you read it? Well, if it's a novel, you begin at the first page and read all the way to the end. Because a novel is meant to be read as a story from one end to the other. It's a book. Uh, say a book about them. And there are pictures and there are chapters. Then you can just go anywhere in it because it's all pretty much the same. And there's not necessarily an order to read it in. You're, you're free to treat it like a smorgasbord. Just read where you find pictures and stories that you like. But if you pick up an area, now you don't, pick, you don't use a dictionary in either of those two ways, do you? When you have a dictionary, you take a word. You don't start at the beginning and read through till you find the word. You don't just go like a smorgasbord anywhere in there looking for the word. You know how to use a dictionary. You take the word, and you take the first letter, and you look up the alphabetical order, and you find that letter, and then you take the next letter in the alphabetical order and find it, and the next letter, and you work it down till you found the word. And you understand how to use the alphabetical order to find the word in a dictionary. Because you know how to read a novel. You know how to read a a, a, a uh, picture of the city that you live in. And then you know you know how to read a dictionary. Well, if you can understand how to read different books like that, then you can understand how it is God has designed his word to be read in a certain specific way, and he's told you how to do it. That's the marvelous thing. He didn't leave us to our own devices in it. He said, here's how you do it. You write it. You make the distinctions in my word that I made. Now, I began the program talking to you about the mystery. There are a lot of mysteries in the world today, in religion today. Should we have faith or should we have works to be saved? Confusion there is. Satan wants to confuse you. Genesis chapter 3, the first time Satan speaks in, in, in the record, he says, Yea, hath God said? <laughs> he wants to confuse you about what God said. Confusion is one of his great tactics, and uh, it's the cause of confusion. He seeks to deceive the hearts of people, to trick you, to take you away from... That's why sound doctrine is his most feared enemy, because by sound doctrine, you can convince the gainsaying. You can uh, refute doctrine, or the lack thereof, folks, biblical illiteracy... Not understanding the Word of God brings confusion. You look around you and people say, well, we work or shouldn't we work? Got verses say you should, got work verse say we shouldn't. To be, That can be the most damning confusion of all, because if you don't understand what the message of salvation is, you'll be lost eternally. Somebody says, well, how should we pray? Should we pray asking whatever we want to, or should we just... And that's one of the most perplexing things. 
People talk about, well, should we tithe? <laughs> That's probably the most fraudulent confusion there is today. We're going to go over these things. I, I see that I've talked a little bit too much about some of these other things. We didn't get to the what I wanted to, the doctrine in, in these. We'll start with that next week. I promise I'll start right up front with it and won't talk so much about some of the preliminary things. But it's important for you to see that. Number one, you've got to have a Bible. You need to get your King James Bible. Number two, you need to know how to, you need to know how to make the distinctions God has put in his word. And the most basic fundamental distinction is between what he calls prophecy, that which has been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began, Acts 3.21, and the mystery, the secret, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Something that was made known, preached about, prophesied about from Genesis 1 all the way down to the ministry of Peter in the book of Acts. And then another message that was kept secret, not talked about, not preached about, not made known, until it was revealed by Jesus Christ from heaven to that other apostle, the apostle Paul. And that message that is given to us through the ministry of the apostle Paul is what God is executing in the dispensation of today. That distinction between those two things will clear up the confusion of almost any topic you find when people are using the Bible. When you understand that the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the early part of the book of Acts, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ to the nation Israel, the idea of the nation Israel to repent of their crucifixion of their Messiah in the early Acts period, fits into that prophetic program in time past, and that a tremendous dispensational change takes place with the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and now you have the dispensation of grace and the church, the body of Christ. No Jew or Gentile, bond or free, male or female, but we have this equal status in Jesus Christ. The distinctions of time past have been done away with, and now everything's of God. To everyone, who, no matter who they are, Paul's the one that says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision profiteth anything. <laughs> you don't find that till you come to Paul. That's why that distinction is so important. And when you see that, then you realize where our doctrine today is, is in Paul's epistles, Romans to Philemon. And you take those books sometime. I go check and see. Don't take it from me. Read, read, read the book of Romans and compare it with what you read in, in, in the first seven chapters of the book of Acts or the book of Matthew, and see if you don't see that there's two different programs, two different ministries, both given by God, both focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, one upon the ministry of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ with regard to prophecy, and one, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Did I tell you that that's Romans sixteen twenty-five? I'm quoting verses that I hope you're familiar with. Could I offer you a free Bible study tape? Uh, it's not a tape, it's a CD. That shows you how old I am. Uh, I'd like to give you a free Bible study, an audio study that uh, that deals with just the issue we're talking about, the mysteries solved by the mystery. This is a Bible study. Go over about a half a dozen different specific doctrines that we'll be talking about in the next few weeks that you can see how rightly dividing God's Word will clear up that issue for you and allow you to stand on your own understanding. Listen, if you've ever struggled with understanding God's Word, this is a key you need for yourself. I don't have anything for you to join. I'm not trying to get you to go anywhere, do anything, give me anything. I want to give this to you because I know it will change your life. You call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. And I'll be glad that you get your free copy of The Mysteries Solved by The Mystery. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. If you'd prefer to write, of course, you can do that. Post Office Box 97, 
Post Office Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois. One word, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. Uh, That's the Riches of Grace, Post Office Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. You can write us and and request the the free Bible study, and we'll be glad to see that you get it. We can also find us on the World Wide Web at graceimpact.org. O-R-G, graceimpact.org. That's that's our website. You can keep up to date with what we're doing and what, what, what's going on ministry-wise, conferences and uh, my traveling schedule, also the uh, our publications. And if you want to listen to this Bible study again or if you miss a broadcast and you want to catch up on it, we have all of that archive there. We have a television program uh, linked to there also. We have a weekly uh, TV program that uh, broadcast over the uh, over Dish Network and the DirecTV uh, satellite network works both of the national satellite networks, along with a number of um, local local uh, city broadcast uh, stations, Detroit, Michigan, and uh, so forth, places like that. Uh, in fact, if I can name them, if I start trying to name them to you, I'll forget them. But anyway, if you'd like the information about where and when the uh, TV program is, uh, you can uh, get that on the website also, graceimpact.org.org. And uh, we'll be happy to have you uh, uh, go there and get any inf- information you can. The phone number, the easiest way to get in touch with us, of course, is the phone number, 888-535-2300. That's the number to call. And if you don't want to talk to an individual, um, write us at P.O. Box 97 in Bloomingdale, Illinois, or get on the Internet, do it quick and, and personal, graceimpact.org. We're trying to be easy to locate. As I said before, we, we don't have anything for you to join. We're not trying to get you to uh, to do anything. Uh, you, we, we just want to exalt a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of a book called the Bible and make him everything. Help you to understand God's Word for yourself so that then God's Word can work effectually in you because you believe it. There's nothing, nothing, nothing ever will be as exciting in your life as to have God's Word working in you in response to your intelligent faith in His Word. Because when you believe what He says, you'll see it'll work. But you you can't believe something unless God spoke it to you. I've said many times, if you're going to believe the Bible, you have to believe the part of the Bible that tells you who the Bible is talking about in the passage that you're reading. That's why you need to know what, what all the Bible's for you, but it's not all about you. So you need to put in what part of the Bible is to you and about you so that you can believe that for your life, and you can study the rest of it belonging to the people that God said it belongs to. So you've been in touch with us. We'll be happy to hear from you. can also tell you that if you're interested in being a, a real student of God's Word, get an in-depth study of God's Word, we also have a, a three-year Bible Institute program called Grace School of the Bible. And we'd be glad to send you information about that. You can find that on the website also. Grace School of the Bible is unique in several ways. One, it's uh, it's delivered to you on an extension basis through the use of video. We make it available to you. You can have, you can uh, watch it in, in in your own home. Follow your own scheduling demands. We're not going to be standing over you with a with a um, a stick. Uh, the uh, the school, by the way, is uh, there's no tuition charge to be in, involved in the school and be a student in the school. And we have, we have students all around the world and graduates all around the world. In fact, we have preachers preaching from all around the world and uh, that have graduated from Grace School of the Bible. And if you're interested in being a, a, a real in-depth, sincere student of God's Word, 
the real advantage of, of, of Grace School of Bible is not that it's available through distant learning, really, is that it follows in its curriculum uniquely the Pauline, Paul's design in his epistles for the edification of the believer. There's a specific way that Paul says the saints are to be perfected. And Paul's design for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the saints, so that the edified, perfected saints can do the work of the ministry, is largely ignored by most of evangel- by all of evangelicalism, really, and by the church in general for the past two millennia. Following his design, his pattern of sound words, the form of sound words, is the key to becoming established and being uh, established in the faith as you've been taught, and then abounding therein with thanksgiving in service to him. If you'd be interested in, in that, you let us know. We'll be glad to send you the information about Grace School of the Bible. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. And friend, if you're still not sure of your own personal salvation, that you have all your sins forgiven, that you have eternal life as a present possession, and that heaven is your home when you die, you let the folks that answer the phone know that, and we'll be glad to send you information, give you information out of an open Bible that show you the way. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. Thanks for being with us today. Till next time, Maranatha. Exergen would like you to know about an important new study by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community has always known. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate, and they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy and labeling. With new strains of COVID on the rise, we can't afford to tolerate rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure, be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. Take the word with you wherever you go with our mobile app, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. Faith comes by hearing. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word. A bigger and stronger voice for God's word is now here. 50,000 watts. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word. WTLN Orlando, where faith comes by hearing. Portions of this broadcast hour are pre-recorded. Make It Clear Ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast. Looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Quickly, the outline is going to be talking about how that when we face Jesus Christ and to alleviate some of those doubts, that we need evidences for our mind. We're not ready yet to put our full, complete faith and confidence in Christ until we really know that He is alive forevermore. He is who He claimed to be, that we really can trust Scripture. So we're going to call it, We Need Evidences. Not everybody does. When I was a young boy coming to Christ, it wasn't that someone had to prove the Bible to me. I don't know where I got it, but I didn't doubt the veracity of Scripture. I was raised in a home that never, really never went to church. We never even had a Bible in our house. But somewhere along the line, I never questioned the authenticity of Scripture. But there are a lot that do, especially today, because so many people have gone on the, on the offensive against Scripture. So maybe that's you. The same area we're going to go to, and that's once we have evidences for the mind, we still have a hard issue. We, we got the truth, but we still don't own it yet. In other words, okay, we agree that that's truth, but we're not yet ready yet to say that's truth for me. 
So I want to give you some of the answers to the heart. And now, I promise you, Mary will not answer all of your questions that you might have for the heart. But there will be some questions that you might have that Jesus will answer. And I pray you'll listen to that. And then at the end, he speaks to the emotions of the soul so that at the very end of all of this, you're ready to say, I got the evidence. He's answered enough of my heart questions. I am now ready to enter into an emotional, soul, committed relationship with him. I'm ready to, so to speak, put my full faith in Christ. And that kind of thing is I'm so engaged to that. So maybe that's where you're going to be at the end. But I pray that you'll see how that he gingerly and lovingly and compassionately will take this person, Mary, and bring her through those three steps. So at the end of this, she owns Christ for herself. And maybe that'll be for you. So let's begin, if we will. If you want to know the resurrected Christ, you need to have evidences for the mind. So go back to the passage, if you will, and let me read it to you again, at least verses 3 through verse 9. And we'll see some truths in there that might help you along with the outline that I've given to you. Beginning at verse 3 again, it says, So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. And then the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter. And he came to the tomb first, and he stooped, and he looked in, and he saw the linen wrappings that were there. But he didn't go in. And so Simon also came, following him, and he entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, very similar to what John did. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head in the tomb, not lying with the linen wrappings that were all there. So the tomb had a level shelf on it, a rock shelf perhaps, and all the linen was wrapped up in one little cocoon-looking shape, but the face was wrapped up separate from it, but rolled up in a place all by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw, but now he moves to the and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. That last phrase, well, if you believe then, as yet they didn't understand, you could say it this way. For now they understood as of yet. Before they didn't understand, but as of yet, now they're getting this. They understood. Now you'll notice in your notes that I put down there are three different kinds of explanations or definitions of the word saw. The reason I'm doing that, again, is because intellectually you also may go through that same little step. So let's look at it again, just with those words, saw. Pick it up at verse 5. It says, in stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings there, but he didn't go in. And that would be John. That word, saw, is a very simple word, and it basically means to glance or to look quickly at. Some of you, you can kind of see something, and you take a glance, and you move on from it. So you kind of saw it, but you didn't really fully understand it. He's looking in, and all he happens to see is, okay, there's the cloth, there's a folded uh, face cloth over there, I'm looking at all of this, and it didn't quite register yet. Now remember, he's on the outside, he didn't get up close and personal, he was on the outside looking at it, and he gave it that cursory little glance. Doesn't mean he didn't see it, but he didn't see the meaning of it. Now Peter's a little bit different, he goes all the way into the tomb now, and you see the saw there in verse 6 following him and entering the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings. Now that's a different Greek word. That's a word that we would get our word theorize, meaning that he looked at it, he looked carefully at it, he observed it, and he's now looking and saying, okay, now why did it look this way? Now the commentators are very this. Their statement is this. If Jesus' body was stolen by grave robbers, it's highly likely that they would have done one of two things. One, they would have all those bandages that he had, all that wrapping, those grave clothes, and just grab the body. 
Now, for the life of me, maybe because I'm just not a grave robber, I don't know, who would want to steal a dead body that's all beat up and shredded? I, I haven't figured that out, but I can't always figure out the depravity of man. The second would be the grave robbers might leave the body but take the grave clothes or those linens because they would be anointed and there would be something that they could do with that. I haven't dug enough research to find out what it was, but that is an answer. Others then say, well, what really was happening is that when Jesus was in there all wrapped up, he was basically kind of uh, swooning. He was uh, passed out, so to speak, like you might see on a TV show. And all of a sudden, he kind of wakes up in the cool and the dampness and the darkness of the tomb. And he gets revived. And so what would he do? Well, if he did, he would break through those linen. How would he unwrap himself? Certainly, he wouldn't fold it back up again. And then he would then go out of the tomb. Now, logically think about it. Go back to what we studied last week. We went through the entire bodily uh, torturing of him. Then how he was executed on the cross. So you know how horrible condition he was in. And then waking up. Do you think a person that went through that kind of torture would be strong enough to even unwrap his wrappings or even to break through those wraps? And if he could, do you think he'd be strong enough to take a boulder stone B-O-U-L-D-E-R boulder stone and roll it away himself he couldn't have done that so he couldn't by his own strength be able to take him take that away and all this was was wrapped up in a cocoon one more time showing that I had victory over death I can conquer that if I can get through the tomb I certainly can get through some linen cloth wrappings even a head cloth so now Peter is trying to figure all this out why is it like this why is it like that so he's thinking a little bit some of you are at that point Some of you are now wanting to investigate this, and I want to commend you on it, even if you're not at faith yet. I want to commend you on the research that you're doing, because once you step over the line of faith, you will be such a a courageous and also great defender of the faith, because you'll have your answers ahead of time, where a lot of they believe, and then they have to continue to get their answers afterwards. You're really going to get this stuff. The only thing I caution you is that the Word of God is like the Internet. You'll never get to the end of it. And so you can keep studying and studying and studying. You've heard this term. You don't want to have paralysis by analysis. So at the end of all of this thing, you never place your faith in Christ. So you want to do your study. And remember, it's not how much faith you have in a risen Savior. It's the little bit of faith that you have, like a little child, a grain of mustard seed, as long as it is in the risen Savior. So you can theorize, you can observe, you can do some study, but don't wait too long. Well, the third is a little bit more. This is a different word in the Greek, and it means to perceive, to understand, to comprehend the truth. It's like, um, I don't mean to make light of this whole resurrection, but since we're so contemporized here, I'm, I might give this to you. How many, um, not I might, I will. How many of you watch the television commercial when they, this guy, he's drinking all of this stuff, and then later on he finds out that he could have a V8. What does he do when he finds out he could have a V8? Everybody, what does he do? Everybody does it. Slaps the top of their head. I could have had a V8. You know what he's really saying? I got it. I could have had That's what's happening now to John. He glances. Peter is theorizing over this. And there may have been some dialogue. And finally, John goes in a little bit further because Peter's in there really studying this stuff. And then it's like, I got it. Well, that's what the Lord wants us. He wants us to get it. He wants us to say, I finally got this. Now, you're not going to get all of it. But I will tell you, you will get enough to satisfy you that Jesus is the risen Savior. So keep that in mind. Now, in your notes, I've given you some historical facts 
that are strong ones that might help you to understand some evidences, not historical facts, some evidences that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. I wanted to give them to you so you understand that this wasn't just concocted by some theologians that want to make us believe in the start of a new religion called Christianity. Uh, this is well thought out with plenty of evidences. The first one will be a historical records. What we find from outside of scripture historical records is the fact that there really was, I say that as the person historical Christ, there really was a Jesus Christ. Crucifixion and that style of crucifixion really occurred in those days. There was a humongous event that occurred in those days. So historically we know that it did happen. So there is testimony to that. There's testimony from various writers that did see the risen Savior. So it wasn't a bunch of guys that were asleep and all of a sudden they validate the story that Jesus said so we can launch Christianity. So let's just say we saw Jesus. Those testimonies, while they overlap with some people, are scattered with others, but these people went to their graves suffering, many of them, for the very fact that they did believe that they saw the risen Savior. So there's plenty of historical data, Scripture and out of Scripture, to believe that. The second would be the science of the enemies. You know, all the enemies had to do was to produce the of Christ to show that this Jesus who said he was God, who'd rise from the dead, would then show the dead body. And all of it, by doing that, that would all these other truths about Jesus' claims and who he was. They never once produced the body. They lied about it, produced the body. The third one is the change in the life of the disciples. And we mentioned that earlier, but just to bring it back home to you, the change in the life of those people. And then finally, the change in our life today. When I teach apologetics, there's five truths that I try to bring out. There's a lot of underneath, but I try to do it five ways. Listen carefully. First, I want to show them scientific proofs that the Bible is true. Second, historically, we can go back to history and geography that the Bible is truth. The third way we want to talk about is prophecy. That there's plenty of data of Jesus making prophecies in the Old Testament that came true. That nobody could have made them. It had to be so supernatural. And I give you data with that. The fourth way is the longevity and the saleability of the Bible. If this book really was a hoax, and I don't care what late night Christians want to say, what those pseudo-intellectuals want to say, those people that are active students of the Word will say that this book is around today because it is flawless. In fact, when you read on Sundays the New York Times bestsellers and they always list what are the bestseller books, they never put the Bible on there because the Bible consistently becomes the bestseller book. So objectively, it has withstood the time. One guy did this so well and I appreciate it. He said, the Bible is like an anvil. All the critics are like ma mallets. And you know the mallets that hit the anvil? They're broken and they're gone and they come and go. But the Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.